0: Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. What sort of people are absolutely necessary for a good game? I don't know, man. I'm scared. Mechanics. It's time for the Compelled Duel Finale. Hello everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. As always, I am Al. And unfortunately, I am Barry. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd, d and 5e actual play podcast.
1: Previously on Compelled Duel. There are dozens of fully armed Australian warships coming straight at you.
0: Oh, we're fucked. Oh, <laughs> we're
1: fucked. We are if we think like that. There has to be something we can do.
0: Like what? Pick a god and pray?
1: How did you get the luck to be this good at fucking d and
0: I'm exquisite. What
1: we have to do now is keep that fleet from docking off
0: the shores of the island. If you want me to do this... Things are going to get nasty fast.
1: Either we stop this here, or we accept that this is the hill that we die on. And a cannonball comes out of nowhere and completely takes the figurehead off the bow of the Iliana.
0: Woo! That's my man. From the island of Luxtagallan rises a massive, gargantuan copper dragon.
1: This is a weird day.
0: Oh, it's about to get weirder.
1: Oh, what the hell is that?
0: That's Lorelei Shakrana.
1: I choose you. And then she pivots on her heel, brings her wand arm up, and casts HARM on your father. After all this time, even you. And then he uses his only ninth level spell slot to cast Power Word KILL. NO! Leo uses his only 6th level spell slot to cast Word of Recall. And you, and Fen, and Sabine, and your Aunt Nora, and your brother, all disappear. Fee, the last thing you remember is diving forward towards the fallen body of your surrogate mother, Alasha Dakarin, in the seconds after your father cast Power Word Kill on her and she died right in front of you. There is a flash of grayish-purple divine light, and suddenly you are collapsing hard onto your hands and knees on a stone floor, carried forward by that same momentum. You are dimly aware of your surroundings. You're in that same beautiful stone chapel that you saw your brother go into yesterday, being looked down upon by the stained glass faces of several Kimmerlite saints. Their eyes seem cold and unfeeling, judging you. You are more acutely aware of the impact next to you of your friend and former bodyguard, Fenandris Tormair, also hitting the floor, carried forward by the momentum of diving towards his father. He hits hard with a clatter of armor, looks around frantically, and just goes, No, no, Dad, no! What are you doing?
0: Fee stays on the floor for a second, processing where she is. Just goes,
2: No, 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 no.
0: And then she gets to her feet whirls around on leo and says take us back take us back now we still have time
1: leo is standing near the altar at the front of this chapel next to sabine both of them looking shell-shocked and numb he looks at you for a long moment and then just slowly almost imperceptibly shakes his head don't shake your head at me take us back I can't. Word of recall only works one way. I could only get us back here. We can't go back. And even if we could, it's too dangerous. We could all get killed. (laughs) Fen, looking like he is struggling against the weight of the world on his back, slowly gets off of his hands and knees and pulls you into a big, tight embrace. And he is shaking like a leaf. He is trying to comfort you, even in his own grief, but in your ear, you can hear him whispering, Oh my god, oh my god, there's no way he made it out. That's that's everybody. That's my whole family.
0: Yeah, Fee hugs him back super tight.
1: For a while... Everybody in this chapel is just checked out. You and Fen are doing your best to hold the shattered pieces of each other together. Your brother and Sabine are still in shock, staring blankly ahead of them. But after a moment, your Aunt Nora, who had retreated into a corner to kind of collect herself for a second... Steps back into the light of these candelabras, grip tightening on the hilt of her sword. Her voice is very shaky, but in her posture, you see the discipline under pressure of a veteran who has seen much bloodier battles than this. Okay, well, I hate to be a pragmatist at the moment, but we all know where he's coming next. We can't help Elasha or Reese. Oh god- Everybody else is still out there. Zed and Adana are probably the closest ones to the beach, and Morlin has proven that he will be indiscriminate with who he kills. Given how many licks Reese and Alasha got in, he'll probably have to see a cleric before he's really dangerous again, but even in that case, we've got an hour, tops. We need to act now.
0: And Leo, you know she's right. Fee and Fenn are both checked out, clinging to each other. Sabine has both arms wrapped around herself and is nodding and trying to focus. Your Aunt Nora shakes her head and goes, So what's the plan?
1: I don't know who she's talking to, because it's not Leo. He's checked out as well, just staring numbly at the empty space in front of him. But as what she said a second ago about his mom and Zed still being out there sinks in, his eyes go really wide and he snaps out of it and goes to shove past her and run out of the chapel and out
0: of the tower. Okay, she's gonna roll a grapple check to stop you. That is a 26 for Nora.
1: I can't mechanically beat that.
0: You go from running to a dead stop in a second flat as she just gets you in one arm. Leo, I understand that you are upset, but you and your sister are the most connected to that thing out there, and that is what your father wants.
1: Um, since I mechanically couldn't beat that grapple check, can I count that as a failed save for my circlet? Go ahead. Cool,
0: Leo crits on a 16 now. I'm sure that is a great comfort to him in this situation. (laughs) Maybe not to him, but it is to me.
1: Leo keeps fighting ineffectually against this grapple. We can't just leave them out there. Mom hurt him, he'll already have it out for her, and he knows that hurting Zed will hurt me. That is not what I'm
2: suggesting.
0: But you need to stay here. Somebody has to go get them. Sabine, from behind you, says. I'll go. I'm fast, I'm stealthy, I'm good at reconnaissance, I have access to a teleport spell, I'll- I'll go. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, we need to clear out the tower, Sid and Florian are still out front, and I don't want them standing between father and that thing out there.
0: You hear Sabine suck in a deep breath and go, God, Sid, no, 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 no. And Nora nods, lets you go cautiously, and says, I'll go with Sabine to back her up. Let's go tell Florian and Sid what's going on.
1: Leo nods shakily and walks towards the door. But before he leaves, he's gonna reach up and squeeze really hard at Fee's shoulder.
0: Fee lets out a raw-sounding sob as Sabine goes past her. You hear, <laughs> "Please be careful. I I can't I can't lose you too." And you hear Sabine say, Fee, sweetheart, I'll be okay. I
2: always am. I love you, okay?
0: Fee just lets out another sob. And Sabine follows you and Nora out of the chapel.
2: (sighs) Okay, going to find Florian and Sid, I guess. Roll a whiz save. 25. That'll do it. Yep,
0: Florian and Sid are just sitting outside of the tower. (laughs) Sid's, like, doing the shitty 15-year-old thing of, like, flicking paper footballs at his brother. (sighs) Gentlemen, not to be overly colloquial,
1: but shit has hit the fan. My father is in a full murderous rampage, and he is coming for the tower, which means the two of you should not be in his way when he gets here.
0: Clear out. Florian stands up and dusts himself off immediately. Uh, Sid looks at you from the ground with disgust and, like, rolls his shoulders back and straightens his posture in what you can only assume is an attempt to get some authority as the Hierophant. This is my home. I can fight. I'm not going anywhere. This is
1: a lot more than just your home, Sid. This is the epicenter of over 10,000 years of my family's bullshit, and my father is gunning for it. You can fight, and you want revenge, and you're justified in that, but Alasha Dakarin's dead, so you're not gonna get it.
0: Sid rears back from you, blinking, and Florian says, What? What do you mean, Alasha Dakarin?
1: She turned on my father at the last minute and he reacted in the way that he always reacts to disloyalty. He's out there, he's just killed the last person capable of staying his hand, and this is his next stop.
0: Florian's mouth pinches into a thin line, he nods, and he holds a hand up and goes, Sid, come on. Sid leans away from his hand and looks at all of you and goes, I'm not just going to sit somewhere out of the way and wait to be rescued. I'm not doing that again.
1: You don't have to. There's something you can do, something no one else can. You and I are the only two people at this tower right now who can cast Sending. I need to save my magic for my part of whatever is to come, but we need to warn all of our people that are out there in the woods what's about to happen.
0: That's what you can do. You watch Sid's jaw clench, and he looks away from you down to the ground like he is trying to burn a hole into the grass. But then he nods and takes Florian's outstretched hand. Okay, um, troop
1: movements. What were our troop movements? Verity and Ravain are on the east side of the island leading some people Aravay and Talindra are on the west. This one and Ilva are patrolling the woods outside the tower. Lark and Adra are hiding in Mom's cave, getting ready to do an ambush if they have to. And Calessa and Eleonora are closest to the beach. And then there's Zed and Mom. Okay, Sid, I need you, once you are safe, to send a sending to Zed that says, Where are you? Help is coming. Stay put. And to everyone else, you need to send, this is the worst case scenario, find a secure location, hide as well as you can.
0: Sid nods, again looking, dwarfed by Hierophant's robes that were made for someone at least twice his size, and says, Yeah. Got it. Sabine, with a jingle of the bells on her wrists, opens the portal to the Magnificent Mansion. Florian pulls a rapier off of his belt, swishes it a couple times, and says, Well, I can't see well enough for ranged combat, but we all know I can hold my own in close quarters. I'll cover his back.
1: Hopefully you won't have to. Both of my uncles are still hanging
2: out in there, and he's not going to be after you anyway. Good luck.
0: Sabine, from behind you, says, I'll Completely close the portal down. Nobody's gonna get in. If the worst happens, it'll go down tomorrow morning anyway. She steps past you, and for the first time, since you all touched down on the shores of Luxtagallan, she grabs Sid and wraps him in a tight hug, and just buries her face into his hair. Please be safe. Please be safe. And then... She pulls back, nods to herself, and says, Okay, go, 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 go. Florian and Sid walk into the magnificent mansion, and with another jingle, the portal disappears. As the sounds of combat out in the water start to rise, you hear a bellowing, draconic roar of frustration and pain. And before you can even turn to look, Fenandris Tormer is running out of the tower.
1: Leo's gonna let him go. He realizes all too well that Fen can't lose anybody else.
0: Nora turns as he goes past and goes, Fen, wait! <sighs> and then she scrubs a hand down her face, nods and says, Okay, okay. Uh, we'll round him up if we can, too. Um, let's go. No time to waste.
1: Once Sid gets a location back from Zed, he'll be in touch with you or Sabine.
0: (sighs) Okay. And then she pulls you into a bone-crushing hug, and gives you a little kiss on the top of the head. This is it?
1: Yeah, it is. Um... After you and Sabine find them, if you want to peel off to go be with Lark and Adra, I'll understand.
0: (laughs) I'm not even going to try to plan that far. That's the thing about battle. If you make plans, they just... (sighs) She leans down next to your ear with another squeeze and says, I am so, so sorry. You and your sister have to bear this.
1: Don't be sorry. It's just how the story goes, right? Somebody has to make the hard decisions.
0: Nora lets you go. Don't die. Likewise.
1: Thank you for showing us what family's supposed to be, Auntie Nora.
0: She has nothing she can say to that without crying. She turns around and starts walking off. As she goes... Sabine reaches down, gives your hand a squeeze looks back towards the tower and says obviously I'm worried about you too but please please look after her always
1: and obviously I'm worried about you too but please keep my boyfriend from dying
0: (sighs) I'll do my best but I can't help but notice that you've given me the harder job
1: yeah pro tip that's why you never let anybody know that you're competent because then you get the harder jobs Good luck, Sabine. Good luck, Leo.
0: She turns and heads off after Nora.
1: Fee, as everybody else in this chapel leaves, you and Fen are left standing with each other, trying to figure out how to function. There is just this palpable loss and grief in the air between the two of you. And for a long time, things are very quiet. But then from outside the tower, echoing through the sky, you hear this deep, sonorous, pained roar. And Fen goes rigid. Mia. He hefts his axe in one hand, turns on his heel, and runs. He's gone. What are you doing?
0: Yells, Fen, and, like, reaches out to stop him, but isn't fast enough. So she just nods, wraps her arms around herself, and I think just stands there for a long moment.
1: After a bit of time, Leo walks back into this chapel alone. He stops in the doorway for a second, and the two of you just stare at each other. But then he takes two big steps toward you and just pulls you into a hug.
0: Fee, like, half collapses into him, just buries her face in the crook of his neck.
1: He's got one hand on the back of your head just holding you to him, and slowly starts kind of rocking you back and forth. Okay, we've all got our parts to play, and this ends here. Can we agree?
0: Fee pulls back, clenching her hands into fists at her sides.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna fucking kill him. (laughs) When the time comes, we'll do rock-paper-scissors for the
1: privilege. Let's head
0: back out there and get ready. Fee nods, and she walks out of the chapel into the bottom floor of the tower.
1: As you emerge back into this round, high ceilinged main room, you look over at the pulsing, glowing hole in the floor, and on the low wall of stones surrounding it, you see a figure sitting there. Seven and a half, eight foot tall, wrapped in a magnificent, glowing, stormy cloak. Two bright electric eyes gleaming out of the shadows
0: under their hood. Fee takes a deep, shaky breath, nods at this figure, and says, Kiva.
1: She nods back at you, the two electric spots she has for eyes gleaming a little brighter. Ferora.
0: I'm so sorry. I don't want apologies. I don't want sympathy. I want to make sure that he can't do this to anyone else.
1: Kiva nods slowly, and in time with it, outside the tower, you hear a massive peal of thunder ring out, followed by the impact of torrential rain against the stone walls. The sound was so loud and so sudden that I think you looked up for a second. And when you look back, Kiva's not sitting on this stone wall anymore. Instead, there is a similarly tall figure, but this time wrapped in black diaphanous robes. Great horned skeletal head sticking up from above the collar
0: Fee shakes her head, takes a step back. Leo, this one's your department. I have nothing that I need to say to him. The twin
1: pinpricks of purple
0: light in
1: Kimrel's empty eye sockets flash, and he snaps his head over to look at you. Well, isn't that unfortunate? Because my sister and I have something to say to both of you. There's another loud crash of thunder and you see lightning flashing outside these stained glass windows around the bottom of the tower. There's a weird sound like the rustling of fabric and you see something happen that your mind cannot comprehend that your vision sort of just blurs out and then Kiva sitting there again. A storm on the equinox. This is where all of it started. It's where it can end. That's all Kimrel and I want to know. Are you willing to help us end it?
0: Fee looks over at Leo, takes a deep breath, nods, and says, More than willing.
1: Leo reaches down to grab your hand. Absolutely. This has gone on for far too long. Kiva reaches out one of their taloned, translucent hands to hover over the place where your fingers are tangled up with your brother's. And there is a massive strobe-like flash of chain lightning outside the windows. In the rapidly shifting light and shadow, you can see... This being in front of you flicker back and forth between Kimrel and Kiva. You and your brother both take a sorcerer and a cleric level up, respectively. And when the lightning fades away, replaced by the roll of thunder, neither of the twin gods are with you anymore.
0: Okay. Because of my multiclass, I've had access to 7th level spell slots for a while, but I just got access to my first 7th level sorcerer spell, which is Crown of Stars, and I got an 8th level spell slot. Good for me.
1: Cool. I have access to 7th level spells now, and uh, both of our spell slots reset because we leveled up, so we now have all of our available spell slots.
0: And because we both just hit character level 17, that means that our proficiency bonuses went up to plus six.
1: Well, those are all good things that we are going to need. With this storm raging outside the tower in the background, your brother looks over at you and slowly raises an eyebrow. Okay, we've got at least a little bit before he gets up here. Should we try to trap the place? Or...
2: I don't have anything. Do you? No,
1: I didn't prepare Glyph of Warding today, and that was pretty much all I had. We could, um, lock the door, at least?
0: No. This has been coming for a long time.
1: Yeah, you're right. Leo walks away from the edge of this chasm and throws open the two big double doors at the front of the tower. Beyond them, you can see rain just lashing down, lightning shooting down from the sky, thunder roaring. It is a truly remarkable weather event happening right now. Under all of that, you can hear the continued sounds of naval combat, cannons thundering from the ship, the crackle of magic from Australian battle mages, And there is so much you don't know. You don't know if Sid managed to get off sending spells to all of the relevant parties before it was too late. You don't know if Nora and Sabine have found Adana and Zed yet. You don't know how the combat is going out in the water between the pirate fleets and the Australian Navy. All that you know is that you are here with your brother holding the absolute last line of defense that you and your friends have. It is a long, quiet, and tense stretch of time before you see, from out these open doors, a flash of lightning cast a silhouette into sharp relief, walking up the road towards the tower. Moreland Valsine With no backup, because the only people he trusted to have his back are dead by his own hand, walks into this tower, hair and armor soaked from the rain, and looks between you, your brother, and the hole in the floor, before his lip curls into a sneer. Oh, I would take a step away from that thing if I were you, children. You have no... Idea what you're toying with.
0: Fee looks over at Leo, nods, hefts her shield, and then looks back at her father and says, Neither do you.
1: Everybody roll initiative.
0: Okay, Fee gets 18 on the die, that is a 27.
1: Leo gets. A 24. And Morlin gets... A dirty 20. So even with three, frankly, very good initiative rolls, Morlin is still at the bottom of our order. Fee, you are up first. What are you doing?
0: I'm gonna cast my new spell, Crown of Stars. I'm casting it at 7th level because I don't get more damage if I cast it above base level. I just get more motes. And if this combat lasts more than 7 rounds, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Fee raises a hand, swirls it above her head, and these glimmering motes of light come out of her fingers, 7 of them, and start to drift around her head. And Morlin knows this spell because it was on Valor and Valsine's spell sheet. And where with Val they would have stayed, those little glimmering motes drifting around him. Moreland Valsine looks upon his daughter, lit by the electric glow of her own magic, and a peal of thunder rings out as these little motes coalesce and bloom into these little plasma ball-looking orbs about the size of a golf ball. And she snaps her hand forward and fires one of them at him as a bonus action. Okay, roll a hit.
1: That is a 23. Okay, and now is where we're going to start talking about Moreland's lair actions. So we'll discuss these as they come up, but this is relevant right now. Typically, that would handily hit him because, on a normal day, his AC is 13. But, one of Morlin's lair actions, as our BBEG of the whole campaign, is something called Paranormal Shield. While in his lair, Morlin's AC increases by 10 as ghosts come forth from the hole in the floor to defend him. So, Sophie, you see some weird shit happen, first and foremost. As you wind up to cast this spell, your father extends a hand towards the hole in the floor and translucent spirits just shoot out of it and start surrounding him. So now while he's in his lair, his AC is 23, but meets it, beats it, this mote of light jabs through them and hits him. Roll damage, please.
0: Okay, so he's taking 4d10 lightning damage. (laughs) fuck it i'm gonna burn a sorcery point to use empowered spell that is a total of 37 lightning damage
1: youch okay you watch this weird spectral shield attempt to surround your father and the mote of light you send into it just melts through it gets him right in the chest he makes a pained noise as you watch crackles of electricity ripple out across the breastplate of his mage's armor. And now it's Leo's turn. Leo's going to move forward and run directly up on him. He's gonna cast Guiding Bolt at 4th level. He didn't have to run up on him to do this, but I'm making the decision to do that because I want those sweet, sweet mage slayer feet benefits. So I'll see if I hit. 26, yes I do leo slides right in front of him twirls his knife around his finger and glares we know more about that thing than you do we know where it comes from we know what it wants and you don't get to feed it anymore and then he just bops him in the breastplate with a guiding bolt 20 radiant damage and the next roll to hit attack on him has advantage So your father gets hit in quick succession by these two spells, first with the electric crackle from your crown of stars, and then from the bright, radiant energy of Leo's guiding bolt. He takes a staggering step back, and then looks up at both of you, breathing heavily. (laughs) Oh, so you know what it is. Knowing it and controlling it are two entirely different things. He uses another one of his lair actions, which I did not bother to creatively name, I just called it Welcome to the Thunderdome. (laughs) Once per day, Morlin can use an action to call forth a spectral shield from the hole in the floor that surrounds the lighthouse, blocking off all entrances and exits. This shield is physically impenetrable, and spells, spell effects, and teleportation magic cannot cross its boundary. The shield has an AC of 20, 100 hit points, and is immune to all damage types except for Radiant, Force, and Psychic. This sickening, gray, necrotic energy pops up around all of the stained glass windows and the open front door to the tower, and Fee, for the first time, you see what your brother sees when he looks into this hole in the floor. It's almost like watching the surface of a sheet hanging from a clothesline, but the longer you look at it, you can see the ripples and the outlines of clawed fingers scraping at it, and this incorporeal magical fabric pressing back against blurred, featureless faces, mouths open in eternal, silent screams, clawing, trying to get out. It's fucking horrifying. And you instinctively know that there is no way past it. Ugh. And then he's going to use two sorcery points to do quicken and spell, and he's going to attempt to cast Eyebite on Leo. His eyes go solid, inky black in a way that is weirdly similar to your own fee, and Leo's going to have to roll a save. But it is a whiz save, and Leo, because of the mage slayer feat, and being within five feet of him, actually gets advantage on this. A 14 and a 17, he doesn't do it. So there are a couple conditions you can apply with IBite. Morlin is going to choose to apply the sickened condition to Leo. Which basically means that until his concentration on the spell is broken, or until Leo can whiz save out at the end of one of his turns, he has disadvantage on all attack throws and ability checks. So that was the bad news, but there is good news. Tell me the good news. Because of his Mage Slayer feat, and the fact that Moreland cast a spell within five feet of him, Leo gets to use his reaction to make a melee weapon attack. It is with disadvantage because of Eyebite.
0: Uh no, it's not. You just cast a guiding bolt on him, so this attack is with advantage. <laughs> yes it is. Which means you roll straight with the disadvantage. Okay, let's
1: see what happens. 18. No. But now I crit on a 14 cuz I have another missed roll to mark off on my circlet.
0: Okay, that brings us to the end of our first round, which means that several of the broader mechanics for our combat are going to kick in. First of all, I am going to roll a straight, unmodified d20, and if I roll a nat 20 on this first roll, then we're gonna have some reinforcements show up, so let me roll that. 14 on the die, that doesn't do it. But now when I make that roll next round, it'll be a 19 or a 20. And then Morlin is going to use one of his other lair actions called Paranormal Regeneration. I'm gonna roll a d6 for him, on a 1 to a 4, he gets back half of the damage that he took during this last round. On a 5, he gets back all of the damage he took on this last round. And on a 6, he goes back up to his max HP. Uh, the distinction doesn't really matter this round between 5 and 6, but it will matter further on in the combat. Ah!
1: Damn. Uh, Damn. Damn.
0: That is a 5. So you're
1: saying he, he just goes back up to max health after all that? Yeah.
0: Fuck me, man. Leo, since you got in here, and especially since that whirling, bulging force field around the tower went up, you have been seeing all of the ghosts erupting from this hellmouth, and you have especially been seeing them kind of swirling around your father, getting in the way of blows meant for him. But... As he straightens his posture with a grimace and a pop of his neck, you hear an unearthly, mournful wail and one of these featureless, blurry ghosts surrounding him flickers and then kind of melts and disappears. And there is no evidence that your father took any damage.
1: Okay, Fee, we're back up at the top of the round with you. Um, I would suggest trying to break this motherfucker's concentration or things are about to go very bad.
0: Uh, yeah, just to start my turn off, I'm going to use my bonus action to shoot off another moat from my crown of stars. No, that's a 21. That doesn't do it. I can't do any of my AOE spells because Leo's right there, so I'm going to try and hit with a Witch bolt. Come oh, on, baby, no whammies. That is a 26.
1: That'll do it. Okay, so go ahead and roll me 5d12 lightning damage, please.
0: I'm going to use the sorcery point for empowered spell. Okay. Um, of that 5d12, I rolled three 12s, an 11, and a 6. So that's going to be 53 damage. Ooh! So Morlin has advantage on this because of the Warcaster feat, but I'm going to need him to roll me a DC 26 constitution saving throw to keep up his concentration.
1: I mean, he can do that, but it's still not easy. The high roll was a 25. He doesn't do it. He lost concentration. (laughs)
2: Woo!
1: So, you see the blackness of the Eye Bite spell leave his eyes, you see Leo stand up a little straighter as this condition leaves him, and you have put a hurting on your old man, fee. You throw this electric mode of light at him, and a ghost comes up and intercepts it, and then you just witch bolt him, and a bolt of lightning comes out of the ceiling and fries him like a cartoon character. And now we're down to Leo, who is going to cast Spiritual Weapon at 5th level. That is not a concentration spell, it is just up for the duration. Um, I'd like to have it take the form of, like, a spectral copy of Kimrel's Blade that's just floating around me. I'm gonna try to hit him. 21. I can't have shit in Australia. But yee I crit on a 13 now, and Leo does nothing. Moreland's turn. Fee, you watch your father, a little crispy, straighten his posture. The gem in his circlet flashes, and he says, Last warning, both of you. After this, I stop pulling punches. And he casts confusion on you and Leo. He burns three sorcery points to give Leo disadvantage on the whiz save for this, but since Leo has Mage Slayer, he's actually just gonna roll straight. You, however, have to roll a nat 20.
2: Yeah, I know I do. 15 on the die, it's 14. Okay, you do not save. I'm gonna roll for Leo. 25, he's out. He saves. And
0: that's Moreland's turn. Let's do our end of round stuff. Okay, rolling to see if reinforcements show up. 19 or 20. Ten. Not this round. And then I'm gonna roll a d6 for Morlin.
2: Mother Five! God damn it. Okay. So he's still at full health. God, God, God.
1: Sophie, we are back at the top of the order with you. You are under the effect of a confusion spell. I need you to roll me a d10 to see what you do this round. Three. Okay, you do not move or take actions this turn, which I think would turn off your witch bolt, right?
0: Uh, yeah, for sure it does. Okay.
1: Okay, at the end of your turn, you can roll me another wisdom saving throw. Again, you've got to roll a nat 20.
0: Come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby. Nope,
1: seven. Ugh, okay, you're still under the spell. Your head feels cloudy, and you can't really make sense of what you're seeing around you. Between the ghosts clawing at this spectral shield around the tower, and the spirits zooming around, rushing in to heal your father and give him extra armor... It's a lot to process, and as these ghosts are flying around for just a second, you think you see the swish of long skirts and the end of a cane, and you are rendered immobile. And then we are down to Leo, who, upon watching, I assume, another ghost melt away to bring his dad back up to full health, tightens his grip on his knife and snarls, Haven't you taken enough from people already? And I'm going to roll to hit him with a third level Inflict Wounds. Please, 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 please. 23! Meets it, beats it! Woo! I'm going to use my ability from Kimrel's Blade to do max damage once daily on a necromancy spell, so with a third level Inflict Wounds, that is 50 damage outright. I'm also going to burn a usage of my Channel Divinity Touch of Death to add an additional 31 points of necrotic damage to that. So that is a total of 81 points of damage on that attack. And then I'm going to use my bonus action to roll to hit him with my spiritual weapon.
2: No. But now I crit on a
1: 12. And also, Fee is out of that confusion spell because Moreland cannot roll a DC 41 concentration check.
0: Okay. Leo, you stab your dad real good. And he looks down at this knife, looks up at you with a snarl, face twisting in hideously exaggerated movements in the strange half-light of these ghosts. And then he's going to use his second, sixth-level spell slot to cast Mental Prison. Make an end save and roll it flat because he uses Heightened Spell to give you disadvantage. Okay five leo something weird happens to your perception and suddenly you are standing at the edge of the ghost hole your feet on the low stones around it at your back is a wall of crackling leaping flames You cannot move, because if you move forward, you will fall into the hole in the floor. And if you move backward, you will be burned alive. You are restrained.
2: Leo just looks
1: down at his feet into the hole and starts whispering,
0: No, 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 no. And you take a whopping 5d10 psychic damage. And Morlin's going to burn a sorcery point for empowered spell. Leo, you take 43 psychic damage. So the full effects of Mental Prison are you take 5d10 psychic damage, you are restrained until the spell ends, and if you are moved out of the illusion, you make a melee attack through the illusion, or you reach any part of your body through the illusion, you take a further 10d10 psychic damage, but the spell ends. Otherwise it lasts for a minute or until Moreland fails a concentration check. Fuck. Okay, and that brings us to the end of the round. So I'm going to roll our d d20 to see if backup gets here.
1: No, just
0: barely. 17, just barely. That does not do it. Okay, and I'm going to roll a d6 for Morlin to see how much of his hit points he gets back. No! Fucking six! (sighs) So once again, Morlin is up to full hit points. Man, I burned all that shit. Come on!
1: Fee, you watched something really weird happen to your brother. Your father looks down at where he's just been stabbed, looks back up at Leo, lets out an angry growl, his circlet flashes, and then Leo shrieks and brings a hand up to either side of his head. He just stands there, eyes wide, looking more terrified than you have ever seen him in your entire life. And he just starts whispering, no, 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 no. And he is immobile. He doesn't
2: do
0: anything. What are you doing? Fee looks her father in the eye, snarls. Stop it! And she's gonna throw another one of the motes from her crown of stars. Yeah, buddy! That's a 26. Okay, so that's 4d10 lightning damage. I'm going to use empowered spell. That is once again 37 lightning damage.
1: <whistles> okay, so that's a DC 18 constitution saving throw for Moreland to maintain his concentration on that mental prison, but because of Warcaster, he does get advantage. 23. Yeah, he does it. Are you doing something for your action?
0: Thank you for asking. I'm casting a Witch Bolt at 5th level once again. I'm gonna use a reroll. Nat 20! Fuck yeah! No fucking way!
1: Okay, so that'll be 10d12 lightning damage, please.
0: Sure will. 84.
1: Okay, is that your turn?
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs>
1: <sighs> okay, well, first of all, the mental prison comes down cuz Morlin can't save against that much damage. Fee, you strike your father with another one of these motes from your crown of stars, and he grits his teeth and pushes through the damage to keep this spell on Leo, who is looking more and more terrified by the second. And then you just absolutely nail him with a witch bolt. He has one hit point. He goes down to one knee, wheezing and gasping for breath after being electrocuted. And you see Leo lurch out of the spell's effect. Oh god.
2: Oh god. Okay. Okay.
1: And now it's his turn. I crit on an 11. I'm gonna try to get him with an Inflict Wounds. First level since he's so low. Holy shit. Fuck! Natural 5. That's a 16. Come on, man. Okay, I've got my bonus action left for Spiritual Weapon, though, and I crit on a 10. Just roll a 10. Just roll a 10. Oh. My god. A natural 4. 15. No, doesn't do it. Leo does fucking nothing. I need new dice.
0: Okay, Morlin's a-hurtin'. Um, he's gonna get the fuck out of here. So, Leo, you are standing there. Your sister behind you is breathing heavily, hand outstretched with this witchbolt that she still has active in her hand. Your father has gone down to his knees, gasping, and then he looks up at both of you with another snarl, And from his back sprout massive, dark, feathery wings. (laughs) That's just a thing that Divine Soul Sorcerers can do when they get to a certain level. Yeah, don't question it. And then he shoots directly into the air. (laughs) 30 feet. And as he does that, he casts Sickening Radiance on the bottom of this lighthouse. Your father points into the base of the staircase in the middle of this room, and you watch, like some giant flower, a spot of light blooms and unfurls this sickening, necrotic gray-green, and it starts to spread into a 30-foot radius sphere. So I need you to make me a con save, and he's going to use Heightened Spell to give Fee disadvantage. Nat 20! 23! (laughs) Eat shit, old man! (laughs) Okay, let me roll a disadvantage save for Fee. (laughs) What? One of those was also a nat 20, the other was a natural 18! (laughs) The
1: Valsine siblings said get fucked, old man!
0: This light washes over the two of you. You look over at Fee, and she's looking at you reaching out one hand. You're too far to grab each other's hands, but she is reaching out all the same. And neither of you takes any damage from the first round of this spell. End of the round, so let me roll to see if we get back up. Thirteen. God, no, we don't get any fucking backup. <sighs> They're busy, it's fine. And let's see how many hit points Morlan gets back. Half. Okay, top of
1: the round, Fee. Your father just went from the literal brink of death to looking bloody but okay, and also he's in the air now.
0: What are you doing? Fee looks at Leo and over the shrieking of ghosts and the slow, pulsing noise from the sickening radiance. Yells, Did you know he could do that?
1: Leo shrugs at you, knife still clutched in one hand, and yells back, How
0: would I know that he could do that? I don't know! He's out of range for my witch bolt, but I'm gonna do a moat from my crown of stars at him. Please hit, please hit, please hit. Fuck. No, uh that's a dirty 20 and that doesn't hit. Fee looks at Leo again and then looks at where her father is still fucking flying around the ceiling. What do we even do with this? Well, I think we should start with getting him out of the air. Yeah, seems solid. Uh and then Fee's going to cast storms here.
1: Uh we we have room for you to cast that without getting both of us in it, right? Yeah, just barely. Sorry, I just need help visualizing this. So, like, we have the dome of the sickening radiance around us, so you're gonna, like, overlap the spells, essentially? Like, put the storm sphere, like, right over our heads?
0: Uh, yeah, okay, so the, um, ceiling of this room is 40 feet tall, and the radius of a storm sphere is 30 feet. So I'm going to put the storm sphere directly above our heads, and it is going to extend... Out of this room and into, like, two floors above us. Or something. Fee puts her hands together like she is holding a little orb of something in them. And then slowly spreads them. And torrential rain and driving winds start to whirl against the ceiling of this room. Right above Morlin's head. And then she brings her hands back together and the storm sphere coalesces. I'm going to need Morlin to make me a strength save. Seven, but
1: he is going to use one of his three legendary resistances to go ahead and succeed
0: on that. Okay, Uh, the sphere is difficult terrain.
1: Oh, I forgot to have you do this at the start of your turn. Roll another con save because you started your turn in the sickening radiance.
0: Fifteen on the die, uh, and I believe I have a plus nine. That'll do it.
1: Yes, you do, and yes, it will. Okay, you take no damage, you do not suffer a level of exhaustion.
0: Fee's gonna use some of her movement to run up next to Leo and grab his hand super tight, and then that's her turn. Okay, we're down to Leo, who also has to roll another con save against this sickening radiance,
1: because he's starting his turn inside it. 14, uh uh-uh.
0: Okay, and I'm gonna roll 4d10 damage. Morlin's gonna use a sorcery point to empower that that is 29 damage for leo and one level of exhaustion cool
1: cool 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 uh level one of exhaustion is just disadvantage on ability checks right yep fun love this for me okay i'm gonna use my bonus action to move my spiritual weapon 20 feet toward him it's not close enough to hit him but it's getting there and then I'm going to use my action to try to get him out of the air. I'm going to cast command. Leo, confused and panicked, looks frantically back and forth between his sister and his dad and just points at him and yells, Fall! <laughs> I, <laughs> I need Moreland to make me a DC-19 whiz save.
0: That is a 12 on the die, so it's a 16. He is going to burn a legendary resistance.
1: Okay, so that means he's still up there, yeah?
0: Yeah. Uh, you yell, fall, and he looks at you and yells back, just as confused. No. <laughs> okay, so it's Morlin's turn. He is going to first use his bonus action to use his unearthly recovery feature. This is, again, a Divine Soul Sorcerer feature where he can just decide to get half of his max HP back, which in this case is 61, which means he's back at full again.
1: You've got to be fucking kidding me.
0: Tragically, I am not.
1: (laughs) Oh my god.
0: So, Leo, you watch as he is, like, hovering there with his wings beating in the middle of the storm sphere, cloud-to-cloud lightning flashing all around him and these ghosts swirling around him. And he sweeps his hands through them and you see a bunch of them flicker and melt with horrible wails of despair and pain. And then another horde of them rises from the hole to around him. His voice booms down the lighthouse as he yells, ENOUGH OF THIS! And he casts Circle of Death
1: Oh, that doesn't sound
0: like fun. No, especially not when he casts it at 8th level. Ah! I'm gonna need you to make me a con save, and he's gonna burn 3 sorcery points to give Fi disadvantage on it. 6!
1: But I crit on an 8 now.
0: Good, good, so true, good. Fi gets. Well, the high one was very good, um, but the low one is... Six plus nine. Fifteen. So you're both taking full damage from this, which is 12d6. Oh my god. Morlin's going to use one sorcery point to empower that spell. So you and Fee both instantly take 59 necrotic damage. Ugh. Your father pulls something out of a pocket of his mage's armor. You watch a fine dust sprinkle out of his hand, and then the circle of silvery necrotic flame appears around you and Fee. It's not hot, it is icy cold, but it dances and reflects off both of your faces as Fee looks over at you and goes, oh shit. And then you are both driven to your knees as a shockwave ripples through the circle. It hurts a whole lot. Uh,
1: you don't feel good. No, in fact, I feel about like I've got 18 hit points. Thank you. End of
0: the round, I guess. Morland's already back at full health, so we don't have to roll to see what he gets back. Uh, he actually has to roll a strength save against Feast Storms here again.
1: Dirty 20, so, yeah, he doesn't take any damage. He's fine.
2: Are our friends coming? Let's see.
0: (laughs) That's a 19. Fuck yeah. Ooh. (laughs) There is a sharp flash of light, like one of those little popper things has gone off, and then it fizzles. And just outside of this force field around the tower, out of the corner of your eye, you see a bang of light, and then. Sabine, Zed, and your mother all appear right outside of this force field. They are dazed, they are knocked over from this teleportation going awry, but they are there.
1: Leo, bleeding from a couple orifices at this point, I'm sure, looks up at where his father is still flapping around in the air and jerks his head back towards the open door. (laughs) Oh, you're in trouble now, old man. Hell hath no fury. Roll insight. Okay, I have a level of exhaustion from the sickening radiance, so I do have disadvantage on
0: this, but... How's an 18? You see real, genuine fear on your father's face. For just a second. And I'm gonna roll Sabine, Zed, and Adana into initiative. Adana rolled a fucking nat 22 initiative? Hell
1: hath no fury.
0: Get his ass queen. So with a nat 20, Adana gets a free turn, and then she has a plus six to initiative. So she's going to go after Fee on her second fucking turn. Um, and then we've got Leo, Morlin, Zed got a 19, and Sabine got a 17. So that is our new initiative. First thing, they all have to try and break down this barrier. Adana is going to cast a 6th level magic missile. It is an automatic hit, and the barrier is not immune to force damage. So I'm going to go ahead and roll damage, 1d4, and then I'll multiply that by her darts.
2: Yes! Ha!
0: Yes! Adana gets up from this teleportation mishap, looks at you, sees Morland flying near the ceiling, looks at this force field, and then casts a magic missile and does 40 damage. Okay. Um, top of the round,
1: Fee, you're starting your turn in the sickening radiance. Con save, please. (sighs) 23. Okay, no damage,
2: no exhaustion. What are you doing?
0: First of all, as a free action, she puts her arms up and cheers. And then she's going to use a bonus action to do uh, another moat from the crown of stars. That's not going to hit, that's a 16. Okay. And then Fee's gonna use her only 8th level spell slot to cast Cure Wounds on Leo. So that's 8d8 plus 5. Leo gets 48 hit points back.
1: The healing magic of your divine paladin powers shoots down your arm and into where you are still grasping your brother's hand. Leo gets all of this health back and kind of leans forward to brace his free hand on his knee and wheezes...
0: Thank you, that hurts so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, Adana goes again. When she cast that first magic missile, she saw this barrier repel her darts, but she also saw that they sunk in and did visible damage to the wall of ghosts between her and her kids and her ex. (laughs) So she's gonna cast another magic missile. This time at fifth level, which means she gets seven darts. And it is an automatic hit. Not great. 14 damage.
1: And now we're down to Leo, who, because he is starting his turn still in the sickening Radiance spell is gonna have to roll another con save. (gasps) 22! No exhaustion, no damage. So he's still got one level of exhaustion. He still has disadvantage on ability checks, but no damage. He feels all of this healing energy come into him from where Fi is holding his hand, turns around to look over his shoulder at Zed and Sabine and his mom, winks at them, and then snaps back around, brings up his knife, and casts harm on his father. Yes! I need Moreland to make me a constitution saving throw. Not 20. Guess what? What? that doesn't fucking matter because I have my new ability on Kimrel's blade. And if he passed a saving throw, no, he didn't.
0: <laughs> Indeed you do. Okay.
1: Leo traces his father's movements with the point of his knife, gets a good beat on him and grins. You're having bad luck with this one today, huh? and I'm gonna roll 14 D6 necrotic damage. That is 52 necrotic damage. And because he failed the save, his max HP is reduced by 52 points. He cannot get higher than that no matter what he rolls on his lair actions. Also, he is going to need to roll a DC 26 constitution saving throw to maintain concentration on the sickening radiant spell, but he doesn't get his warcaster advantage because I damaged him, which would give him disadvantage on his saving throw, so he just rolls straight. 21. That does not do it. The sickening radiant
0: spell comes down. And now it's Morlin's turn. He is going to cast a Mind Spike at 7th level on Leo, and he's using his last three sorcery points to give you disadvantage on the save. That's a whiz save, please.
1: Yeah, and because of Mage Slayer, I don't get to roll straight unless he's within five feet of me, huh? Nope. Okay. 18. Just under.
0: Okay, so you're going to be taking 8d8 psychic damage. And he's going to use his bonus action to burn a first-level spell slot so he can do Empowered Spell if he wants to. And he does want to use Empowered Spell, okay, so he's immediately using that one sorcery point. <laughs> he used an Empowered Spell and only got three extra points of damage out of it. He take 41 psychic damage.
1: Okay, and we're down to Zed. But the thing is that Zed can't get through the barrier and also has no attacks that deal psychic force or radiant damage. So he does try to punch the barrier like as many times as he possibly can, but it just doesn't work. And then he watches Leo get got by this big old mind spike spell, grimaces, and attempts to yell through the barrier. You got this, boss! And then it's Sabine, who can do something. She's gonna use her 6-level spell slot to cast Dissonant Whispers, which deals psychic damage. It is a save, but I mean, like, the ghost shield is a ghost shield, and it can't really save, right? That it cannot. Cool, so I'm just gonna roll this 8d6 psychic damage. Okay, well, that was ass. That was 22 damage, so the shield is down to 24 hit points. Sabine is watching everything going on inside the tower. She elbows Zed out of the way when she sees that his punches are ineffective, and then just flicks her wrist and stomps her foot down, and sends a ripple of psychic energy out across the surface of this shield. Doesn't bring it down, but it's starting to look thin. And we don't have to roll our stuff at the end of the round, because our reinforcements have arrived, and Morlin is not gonna get any higher on hit points than he already is because of the effects of that harm spell. Sophie, we are starting the next round off with you. What are you doing?
0: Okay, as her action, Fee is gonna use all of her lay on hands points on Leo. So Leo gets 20 hit points back. Again, Leo wheezes, Thank you, that hurts so bad! I'm getting that. And then I'm gonna try and hit Morlin with one of my Crown of Stars moats once again. Okay. Hit.
2: That'll do it.
0: Natural 19, that will do it, yeah. Okay, 4d10 lightning, please. <whistles> uh, I'm gonna use Empowered Spell. Morlin takes 35 damage, which, if I'm not mistaken, is half of the hit points that he has right now. I need the listeners to know that I'm saying this with my smuggest fake concerned face. Oh no,
1: oh bestie, oh, 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 how does that feel?
0: (laughs) Okay, is that gonna do it for your turn? Yeah, I use my action on my bonus action, I'm done.
1: Yeah, that's fair, I think movement is kind of irrelevant while your father is flying around like a bird in a Walmart above you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, it's Adana's turn.
0: Adana's gonna cast Magic Missile at her highest available spell slot, which is fifth. So, once again, seven darts, shooting into the barrier. Okay, Adana does 21 damage on this Magic Missile. The barrier does not come down. That's gonna be Leo's turn. I'm gonna try to
1: command him out of the air again. Leo points at him, flapping
0: around up there, and yells, Fall, goddammit!
1: Morla needs to roll me a DC-19 whiz save.
0: 18, he uses his last legendary resistance. He just flips you off. (laughs) (laughs) Still flapping around up there.
1: (laughs) Man, fuck this guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I can use my bonus action to try to hit him with my spiritual weapon, though. Thirteen! I crit! I crit! I crit! <laughs> Fucking finally! Finally! I was down to critting on an eight! I rolled a thirteen on the die, I crit! <laughs> you sure do! <laughs> Roll damage! Okay, so on a crit, that's four d8 plus five. A sweet... Vindicated. 19 damage. Okay. So now it's Morlin's turn. I'm sure I'm about to get my ass beat again.
0: Yeah. Morlin casts Circle of Death again at 7th level. Oh, come on! Make a
2: con save, please. 18. Just barely not gonna do it.
0: Okay, rolling for fee. She's going to use her legendary resistance from the Gift of the Stormbringer. As this fire ripples and a shockwave shoots through it, you watch Fee's cape light up with a sudden lightning storm, and she stands firm, glaring up at your father. You, however, take 10d6 damage. And for his bonus action, Morlin burns a first-level spell slot to get one sorcery point so he can do Empowered Spell. You take 45 necrotic damage, Fi takes 22.
1: Cool, literally to a T, Leo had 45 hit points left, he's
0: unconscious. Morlin swoops down out of the Storm Sphere to land on the ground, and starts to outstretch one hand, the circlet on his head starting to glow as Leo lays on the ground unconscious, and Fee drops to her knees next to him.
1: And now it's Zed, who again can't do anything, but he's not having a good time. Fee, from where you are on your knees next to your brother who has gone unconscious, you can hear Zed yelling, distantly and muffled, almost as if hearing it from underwater. He's still trying to punch the barrier, even though it's not doing anything. But then we move on to Sabine's turn, and she's gonna cast Vicious Mockery on this ghost shield. She raises her arms up over her head, flicks her wrist, and glares into the surface of this barrier. You know, usually I agree with the concept that it's not okay to speak ill of the dead, but desperate times call for desperate measures. The barrier can't save. At Sabine's level, Vicious Mockery does 3d4 damage. Mechanically, she cannot roll low enough to not bring this thing down. The barrier dissolves into thin air with echoing ghostly wails. And Sabine, Zed, and Adana start scrambling over each other to get inside the tower. And now we're going to roll to see how much health Morlin gets back at the end of the round. Okay, so he gets back 27. Top of the round. Fee, your brother is unconscious on the floor next to you, you are on your knees, and your father is approaching the two of you with his hand outstretched toward Leo, looking like he is ready to finish the job. What are you doing?
0: I'm shooting my last moat from my crown of stars at him. That is a 26 that's going to hit. Okay, 4d10 damage. I'm going to use a sorcery point to use Empowered Spell. That is a total of 34 damage. And I'm going to use my only 6 level spell slot on a Cure Wounds for Leo. So he gets back 6d8 plus 5. Leo gets back a hearty, hearty 23 hit points with my 6-level spell slot. It's Adonis' turn. The barrier is down. She runs in, slides to the ground next to Leo and Fee. With her bonus action, she throws a Hunter's Mark up on Morlin. And with her action, she's going to cast Cure Wounds on Leo at 4th level. So that's 4d8 plus 2. Leo gets back 18 hit points.
1: Leo, on his turn, wheezes and reaches out to grip at Fianna Donna's forearms.
2: (sighs) Thank you both, that hurt so bad, we know.
0: Leo, you are on the ground, just roused from unconsciousness. Your father has landed and is standing just next to the hole in the floor, a hand outstretched toward you, circlet glowing. (laughs) You two really think this is over? It is over when I say it is over! Leo, it is your turn.
1: How many hit points does Morlin have left? Nine. Okay. I'm not even wasting the movement to get up from prone and i have been sitting on my new seventh level spells this entire battle so i would like to use my one and only seventh level spell slot to cast a spell called divine word i need morlin to roll me a charisma saving throw dc 19
0: that was a 4 on the dice that is a 15 what happens
1: You utter a divine word imbued with the power that shaped the world at the dawn of creation. Choose any number of creatures you can see within range. Each creature that can hear you must make a charisma saving throw. On a failed save, a creature suffers an effect based on its current hit points. 50 hit points or fewer, deafened for one minute. 40 hit points or fewer, deafened and blinded for 10 minutes. 30 hit points or fewer, blinded, deafened, and stunned for one hour. 20 hit points or fewer, killed instantly. What word do you want to use
0: to kill your father?
1: The thing is that Leo doesn't want to kill his father. Not because he loves him, and not because he thinks he deserves to live... It's just that he's already inherited 10,000 years of this family hurting and deceiving and murdering each other. He lies there on the floor between his mother and his sister, looks at his father, and then looks behind him at the yawning chasm in the floor, the Valsine family legacy and the divine word he utters is
0: enough. With this show of strong, divine, magical power, Leo, you take control of and responsibility for the broken promise that your family has built a 10,000-year reign on. You feel the moment that it becomes yours. It is agonizing, and it is rapturous. And slowly, the blurry, translucent figures of ghosts flying around this room start to coalesce. And in front of your father, you see appear your grandmother, what's left of her. Moth eaten and twisted and ancient. You see Ophelia Shakrana, Soren's aunt, dead before she really had a chance to live, thin and drawn. You see Ashrin Javaris with her hawkish features and the scorched hem of her nightgown. You see your uncle Valoran in the pajamas he died in, bloody and tired. You see Valoran's wife, Adriel, an aunt you never got the chance to meet, wearing a traveling cloak, a thin trickle of blue blood going down her cheek from where her hair is matted to her skull. You see Sorin In his rumpled party wear, his broken glasses sitting crooked on his face. And then you see more and more ghosts start to coalesce, all of their various battered figures becoming more and more solid, a legion of them crowding the bottom floor of this lighthouse. And they are all staring at your father. He takes a step back, his back foot just barely making contact with the circle of stones around this pit. He puts a hand up, looking around wildly, and yells, Stay back! All of you, stay back! And then behind your father, out of this pit, rises Alasha Dakarin. She stands among these ghosts in their various states of battered and broken and beaten, untouched. The spell that killed her did not leave a mark. She steps around to your father's side, puts both arms around him in a lover's embrace, and one translucent hand reaches up to just grip his chin and turn him to face her. Fee makes a low, pained noise, like someone has just punched her in the stomach. And Alasha gets up on her tiptoes, gives your father a long, lingering kiss. He starts to relax into it, and then she dives sideways and pulls him into the fucking hole.
1: Oh, if we're out of initiative, Leo scrambles to his feet and goes over to the edge of the hole to see what the hell's going on.
0: You run past all of these ghosts, still standing, Sentinel. You fall to your knees next to the hole, trying to look down it without crossing the threshold. And you hear a long, echoing, terrified scream. And then nothing.
1: We did it. He's gone.
0: From near the door into the lighthouse, you hear Zed say, "So, it's uh, it it it's over." You watch Fee start to look around the room, and you see Sabine staring at the space where Ashrin Javari's ghost still stands. You realize that none of the rest of them can see the ghosts anymore. But they're still there. And they all slowly
2: turn to look at you. No. It's not over yet. And on that note, everybody except Fee,
0: clear out. Your mom looks up at you and goes, What do you mean, clear out? I mean that... (sighs) Damn it.
1: Leo is wiped physically, mentally, magically, psychologically from all of that, and he just waves vaguely at the hole in the floor, which, it's still there, right?
0: Yeah, just a big chasm in the floor of this lighthouse, with a slowly pulsing light down from the bottom of it.
2: Leo looks down into it and grimaces.
1: I mean, that until we get rid of this thing... It's never gonna be over, and I don't know what's gonna happen when we try to, so... Everybody out!
0: Immediately, Zed and Sabine and Adana are shouting over each other to protest. The old man's dead, and that means my ghost hole,
1: my kingdom, my rules. No one else is dying for this. Everybody out!
0: Fee gets to her feet and walks over to back you up and just goes, Now! Please! And Zed, Sabine, and Adana walk out.
1: As soon as they're gone, Leo turns over to Fee, reaches up a hand to squeeze at her shoulder, and casts Death Ward. So if whatever's about to go down next tries to kill them both, it will not kill Fee. She will instead drop to one hit point. I know this needs to end, but are you as scared as I am right now?
0: Fee looks down into the pit and reaches
2: out to grab your hand. I'm terrified.
1: Me too. <laughs> I mean, even assuming everything goes right, every divine soul sorcerer in Astraria is gonna wake up tomorrow with no powers. The entire political system's gonna collapse. What happens then?
2: Only one way to find out, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Leo
1: uses his last 5th level spell slot to cast Commune.
0: Standing on the stones, ringing this pit, directly across from you, against the back wall of the tower, appears... Kimrel, the Lord of Bones.
2: Leo
1: squeezes at Fee's hand and then nods over at Kimrel. Okay. Tell me what we have to do. I am more than ready to be done with this.
0: Kimrel inclines his great horned skeletal head at you and says, As are we. And then there is a rustle of fabric and a turn that you can't process, can't look directly at. And then Kiva is standing there. She walks across the air over this pit like it is solid ground and reaches her hand out to place it atop where you are holding your sisters. And you feel something like an electric shock. I'm going to roll a con save for Fee real quick. Yeah, that's a 27. That'll do it. Fee curls in on herself with a <coughs> and squeezes your hand a little tighter.
1: Oh, Leo is gripping back just as tight. I think both their hands probably hurt from how tightly they're holding on.
0: After a second, Fee grimacing, stands straight and says, Okay, okay. I don't know how long I can- And as she's saying this, she turns to look at you, and you see that instead of the usual flat, glassy black that they are, her eyes have gone a gleaming, bright, electric blue.
1: It's okay, I'm here, I've got you. Uh, 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 What do
0: I do? There's another flutter, and then Kimrel is standing there, And he says, this is your inheritance and your responsibility.
2: You know what to do.
1: He looks directly down into this chasm, sets his jaw and says, you don't get to have me, but I get to have you and he's going to try to absorb the entirety of the ghost hole into his body. I don't know if or what I have to roll for that.
0: Roll me a religion check. 25. You hold your hand out over this pit, and you see the tips of your fingers start to blacken and shrivel. And then the light flickering at the bottom of it coalesces into a beam that shoots into your palm. Roll me a fucking con save. Oh, oh, I'm
1: so not good at those. Okay, cool, 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 cool.
0: Six. Fee has not used all of her rerolls. She's going to give you one.
1: Well, yeah, we're still holding hands. I guess that tracks. Oh, God. <gasps> Not 20.
0: Love is the fucking point of it all, everybody.
1: Not fucking 20. Um uh, 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 uh um 23.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. Okay. You take this power into yourself. Your brain is overwhelmed by the same tide of voices that you have felt every time you've had to tap into the ghost hole just screaming through you you have no way of stopping it it builds and builds and presses in on your brain you are agonized it feels like you are being crushed under an immense weight all of your nerves are on fire but your sister is still clutching your hand and as it subsides for a second You feel immense power rushing through you. You feel the power that you were born without and maligned for not having your entire life. You feel the power that you spent so long chasing. You could do anything. You could move mountains and it is yours. What do you do?
1: Mechanically, what's going to happen to me if I decide to keep it?
0: You will instantly lose all of your cleric levels, and everything to do with your rogue subclass, though you will keep your proficiencies. And you will become a level 20 Divine Soul Sorcerer.
1: <sighs> Learyl valsine will not become his father or his distant ancestor or any of the murderous despots in between. He does not let go of his sister's hand.
0: You are faced with the same choice that Alander Valcyne had to make 10,000 years ago. And you choose to embrace the difficult scary unknown future you hold this power you are clutching at fee's hand and she is clutching back just as tight and then the twin voices of kimrel and kiva shout
1: let it go let it go do you
2: I let go of the power, I don't let go of her.
0: A light starts to shine out of you and Fee's clasped hands. Blue and purple and silver. And then it starts to pulse and grow. Until it washes over both of you. Until it fills the bottom floor of this lighthouse. Until it shoots into the sky through all of the intervening floors into the lantern room and out across the island of Lochstegallen when the light fades and you can see again the hole in the floor is still and dark and you and Fi are still holding on to each other the crowd of ghosts has disappeared from around you
2: it's over <laughs>
1: leo lunges forward and pulls fee into the biggest tightest hug
0: fee also giddily laughing hugs you back super tight (laughs) oh my god we did it
1: (gasps) we sure did whatever it is i love you fee
0: I love you, too. And she squeezes you somehow even tighter.
1: Leo is a small, frail man. I'm sure that this hug hurts his bones, but he has never been happier. Okay. Everything else we will figure out tomorrow. But for now, no more lies. No more death. No more ghosts. It's going to be okay. And then he's going to pull out of this hug and go turn to walk out of the tower and find Zed and Adana.
0: Standing by the stairs, mostly translucent, with his broken glasses and rumpled party wear, stands the ghost of Soren Chakrana. He raises a hand, gives you a little wave, and says, Hey. And that is where we are going to end for this week.
2: (sighs) Yeah. No escape. No
0: escape. Never free. And we will see y'all next time for the epilogue of campaign one on compelled duel.
1: Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, I'm going to go ahead and plug our social media profiles. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at CompelledDuel. We have lots of other cool stuff going on, however, an official website, an official Spotify profile, our official merch store, stuff like that. You can find all that stuff linked on any of our various social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the show, we ask that you consider heading over to patreon.com slash compelled duel, where starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool patron perks, including early access to episodes, access to exclusive playlists and bonus content, and even handwritten letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting the show in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, We ask that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that you leave us a rating and a review since that helps the show get promoted to a wider audience. We host a weekly Q&A show on our YouTube every week, and we would love to see you show up for that, ask a couple questions. We always have a really fun time. And as always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, we ask that you just tell a couple friends about it. And if they like it, ask them to tell a couple friends as well. Word of mouth advertising is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal. The epilogue of Campaign One will be premiering live on our YouTube channel on Thursday, June 16th at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. It will be available a little bit earlier for our patrons at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on that Thursday. Or if you want to just catch it when it premieres on all of the major podcast providers, it will be available on Friday, June 17th. Take a deep breath, everybody. We've got ourselves a happy ending, and the best is yet to come.
2: We'll see you soon.